Welcome to another episode of Corona Cold Reads, my entertainment world's answer to social isolation. Every Tuesday and Saturday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern, we're getting together on YouTube Live to broadcast a cold reading of a Shakespeare play. Our actors run the gamut from um, non-professional actors to some of the biggest names in uh, North American classical theater. Um, But what we all have in common is just a really genuine love of Shakespeare and in these uncertain, really genuinely scary times, um, what makes us feel better is getting together and listening to the text and exploring these stories together. So hopefully these episodes will bring you comfort as well, and you'll enjoy them as much as we enjoyed recording them. Um, All of the videos are available on our YouTube channel, which you just search My Entertainment World, um, as well as on our website, myentertainmentworld.ca, where you can find the full cast lists, um, as well as lots of other articles and all of our other content that we have going up all the time. Um, also, you should follow us on social media, uh, Twitter and Instagram. It's both myentworld, my ENT world. Um, there you'll see, be able to see highlights from all of the recordings, um, as well as you can get the links to watch us live. Um, But we also have all sorts of content created just specifically for those platforms. In addition to, um, that's where you can find links to all of our website content as well, which is myentertainmentworld.ca. The videos do stay up after the live recording, so you can watch them after the fact, or you can catch the audio version in the podcast feed, um, which is you just search My Entertainment World in uh, iTunes, and there you'll find all of our different podcast series, where we have the favorite series, the Shakespeare series, the nominee interview series, uh, Corona Cold Reads, Corona Movie Club, Season 1, Episode 1, and the My Entertainment World podcast. Um, Tons of different things happening. There's never been a better time to subscribe to our podcast. We have so much content happening right now. Um, but you're here for Corona Cold Reads for Shakespeare. Um, so these are cold reads for the most part. Uh, our actors n- did not have more than a day, maybe two, if they're lucky, um, to look over the text if they wanted to. Most of them didn't have the chance to, so it is just them sitting down and reading it cold. Um, so you'll you'll be able to hear that there will be some rocky moments and sometimes when we may have to pause and um, wonder why somebody's got their zoom on mute or you know how things happen. Um, we're all adjusting to these new technologies to cope with what we're going through right now. So I hope you enjoy. So confession, this episode's play is my least favorite play in Shakespeare's entire canon. Um, which is not to say it's his worst necessarily. There are certainly some of the histories are a little bit rocky in terms of like story structure and sort of like the basics of literally writing a play. Um, but I just think comedy of errors is the stupidest thing I've maybe ever seen. And I watched too hot to handle on Netflix. So like, this is a low bar for a high bar, a low bar. It's a high bar for low brow for how stupid I think comedy of errors is. Like it's the worst ever. Um, I've seen good productions of it. So it's not that, you know, unlike, so like Midsummer Night's Dream, for example, I don't like it very much, but the reason I don't like it very much is because I've seen too many bad productions of it. Um, comedy of errors have actually seen done quite well about, maybe half the time that I've seen it. Um, and I've seen it many, many times. Uh, it's just not, I hate it. I just hate it. I think the, I think the plot machinations are stupid. There are so many fat jokes. It's just not, 
it's just not for me. It's just like goofy nonsense and it's goofy nonsense in a direction that really bugs me. That said, um, you know, who loves comedy of errors is my pal, Steve Vargo. And it was Steve Vargo's birthday. And so I perhaps foolishly, perhaps not. I don't know. We had to get to it eventually. Let my friend Steve Vargo choose the play and not just choose the play, but cast it himself. So uh, like what we did for my birthday uh, for Henry IV Part Two, um, which I did not choose because it was my favorite. It's just what fell on my birthday. Um, we divided up some of the main roles to accommodate more people who wanted to participate to celebrate the birthdays because this was not just Steve's birthday, though he was the one who picked the play and cast it. Um, it was also Anne Van Leeuwen's birthday, um, who is one of our leading players who's in almost every Corona Cold Reads. Um, and so what we did was we obviously had a ton of people who wanted to participate to celebrate Steve and Anne. They're very popular, beloved people. Um, so we divided up the Dromeos. So uh, Comedy Bears, if for anyone who doesn't know, um, is about two sets of twins who get separated and mixed up and hijinks ensue. And that's about it. Um, so to accommodate all these extra people, what we did was the, the two characters, the servant, there's a sort of main twins and then there's servant twins. Um, and the servants are called Dromeo. Yes, the both twins are called Dromeo. It's very clever. Um, the Dromeo characters, Dromeo of, and, of Ephesus and Dromeo of Syracuse, uh, which is usually two characters we divided into, I think we had like 12 of them or something like that. We had some crazy number of Dromeos. Um, so in every scene, Dromeo of Ephesus and Dromeo of Syracuse are played by a different actor. Uh, so it's very confusing and it's very nonsensical, but it's comedy of errors. So confusing and nonsensical is kind of like part of it. So it was just, it was meta, our weird, um, multi-Dromeo approach to, uh, the play is just going to like bring you more into the comedy of errors headspace. Um, so our two birthday people, Steve Vargo and Anne Van Leeuwen, are playing our Antiphili, Antiphilus of uh, Ephesus and Syracuse, respectively. And then their Dromeos are just going to be a whole pile of their friends. Um, and then obviously the rest of the cast is also their friends who are just, you know, littered throughout. Um, but Dromeos are the only ones that are cast with multiple people. Um, that's sort of all you really need to know about this one. Uh, Comedy Bears is a crazy one plot wise. It's a little difficult to follow, but it's also a very simple one thematically. So it doesn't really matter if you understand every little beat about, you know, oh, so-and-so bought this necklace and so-and-so mistook this person for that person. And so he thinks he's in debt and he took the ring and blah, blah, blah. Like that stuff's not really important. What's important here is the tone and the joviality and the madness. Um, so just, you know, have fun with it as best as you can, but it's stupid. But it's their birthdays, so we're going to be nice about it. And yay, happy birthday, Steve and Anne. Um, we love you lots. Comedy Bears by William Shakespeare. Act 1, Scene 1. A hall in Duke Salinas's palace. Enter Duke Salinas, Aegean jailer, officers, and other attendants. Proceed, Salinas, to procure my fall. By the doom of death and woes and all. Merchant of Syracuse, plead no more. I am not partial to infringe our laws. The amity and discord which have late sprung from the rancorous outrage of your due to merchants, our well-dealing countrymen, who wanting gilders to redeem their lives, have sealed his rigorous statutes with their bloods, excludes all pity from our threatening looks. 
For since the mortal and intestine jars twixt thy seditious countrymen and us, it hath in solemn synods been decreed both by Syracusians and ourselves to admit no traffic to our adverse towns. Nay, more, if any born at Ephesus be seen at any Syracusian marts and fairs, again, if any Syracusian born come to the bay of Ephesus, he dies. His goods confiscate to the duke's dispose, unless a thousand marks be levied to quit the penalty and to ransom him. Thy substance, valued at the highest rate, cannot amount unto a hundred marks. Therefore, by law, thou art condemned to die. Yet this my comfort, when your words are done, my woes and likewise with the evening sun. Well, Syracusian, say in brief the cause why thou departst from thy native home, and for what cause thou camest to Ephesus. A heavier task could not have been I to speak my griefs. Yet that the world may witness that my end was wrought by nature, not by vile offense, I'll utter what my sorrows give me leave. In Syracusa was I born and wed unto a woman, happy but for me, and by me had not our hap been bad. With her I lived in joy, our wealth increased by prosperous voyages I often made till my factor's death and the great care of good at random left drew me from kind embracements of my spouse, from whom my absence was not six months old before herself, almost at fainting under the pleasing punishment that women bear, had made provision for her following me and soon and safe arrived where I was. There had she not been long, came a joyful mother of two goodly and which was strange, like the other, as could not be by, but by names. Our, in the self-same inn, a meaner woman was delivered of such a burden, male twins, both alike. Those for their parents were exceedingly poor. I bought and brought up to attend my sons. My wife, not meanly proud of two such boys, made daily motions for our home return. A willing I agreed. Alas, too soon we came aboard. A league from Epidenum had we... For the always wind of baying deep gave any tragic instance of our harm, the longer did we not retain much hope. For what obscured light the heavens did grant did but convey unto our fearful minds a doubtful warrant of immediate death, which though myself would gladly have embraced, yet the incessant weepings of my wife, weeping before what thought must come, and piteous the pretty babes that mourned and ignorant what to fear, forced place for them and me. And this it was, for other means was none. The sailors sought for safety by our boat and left the ship, then sinking gripe to us. My wife, more careful for the latter board, had fastened him unto a small spare mast, such as seafaring men provide for storms. To him, one of the other twins was bound. Whilst I had been like heedful of the other, the children, my wife and I, fixed, fixing our eyes on whom our care was fixed, fastened ourselves at either end the mast, and floating straight, obedient to the stream, was carried towards Corneth, as we thought. At length the sun, gazing upon the earth, dispersed those vapors that offended us, and by the benefit of his wished light, the sun calm, and we discovered two ships making a main to us. Oh, of Apoderus, this came, oh, let me say no more, seekful by that went before. Nay, Forward, old man, do not break off so, for we may pity, though not pardon thee. Oh, had the guns, gods done so, I had not now worthily termed the merciless to us. 
ere the ships could meet by twice five leagues, we were encountered by a mighty rock, which being violently a helpful ship was split in the midst, so that in this unjust divorce of us, fortune had left to both of us alike what to delight in, what to sorrow for, her part, poor soul, seeming as burdened with lesser weight, but not with lesser woe, was carried with more speed before the wind. And in our sight, they were the three were taken up by fish, as we thought, at length enough on us. And knowing whom they have to save, gave full welcome to their shipwrecked guests, who have reft the fishers of their prey, had not their bark been very slow of sail. And therefore, homeward did they bend their course. Thus have you heard me severed from my bliss, that my misfortunes was my long pro- life prolonged to tell sad stories of my own mishaps. And for the sake of them thou sowest, sorrowest for, do me the favor to dilate at full what hath befallen all of them and thee till now. My youngest boy, and yet my eldest care, at eighteen years became inquisitive after his brother and Im- Importuned me to that his attendant, so his case was like, reft of his brother, but retained his name, might bear him company in the quest of him. Labored of a love to see, I hazard whom I loved. Five I spent in furthest Greece, through the bounds of Asia, and coasting came to Ephesus. Hopeless to find, yet loath to leave unsought, or that any place that harbors men. But here must end the story of my life. And happy were I in my timely death, could all my travels warn me they live. Hapless Aegean, whom the fates have marked to bear the extremity of dire mishap. Now, trust me, were it not against our laws, against my dignity, which princes would they may not disannul, my soul would sue as advocate for thee. But though thou art a judge to the death, by beneficial help. Try all the friends thou hast in Ephesus. Beg thou, or borrow, to make up the sum, and live. If no, then thou art doomed to die. Jailer, take him to thy custody. I will, my lord. Hopeless and helpless doth Aegean wend, but to procrastinate his lifeless end. Excellent. Scene two, The Mart. Enter Antipholus of Syracuse, Dromeo of Syracuse one, and first merchant. Therefore give out you are of Epidamnum, lest that your goods too soon be confiscate. This very day a Syracusian merchant is apprehended for arrival here, and not being able to buy his life, according to the statute of the town, dies ere the weary sun set in the west. There is your money that I had to keep. Go bear it to the centaur where we host, and stay there, Romeo, till I come to thee. Within this hour it will be dinner time. Till that, I'll view the manners of the town, bruise the traders, gaze upon the buildings, and then return and sleep within mine inn. For with long travel, I am stiff and weary. Get thee away. Many a man would take you at your word and go indeed, having so good a need. Exit. A trusty villain, sir, that very oft when I am dull and care with melancholy lightens my humor with his merry jests. What, will you walk with me about the town and then go to my inn and dine with me? I am invited, sir, to certain merchants of whom I hope to make much benefit. I crave your pardon. 
Soon at five o'clock, please you, I'll meet with you upon the mark and afterward consort you till bedtime. My present business calls me from you now. Farewell till then. I will go lose myself and wander up and down to view the city. Sir, I commend you to your own content. Exit. He that commends me to mine own content commends me to the thing I cannot get. I, to the world, am like a drop of water that in the ocean seeks another drop, who, falling there to find his fellow forth, unseen, inquisitive, confounds himself. So I, to find a mother and a brother in quest of them unhappy, lose myself. Enter Dromeo of Ephesus 1. Here comes the almanac of my true date. What now? How chance that word returned so soon? Returned so soon? Rather approach too late. The capon burns, the pig falls from the spit, the clock has struck twelve upon the bell. My mistress made it one upon my cheek. She is so hot because the meat is cold. The meat is cold because you come not home. You come not home because you have no stomach. You had no stomach, having broke your fast, but we that know what this to fast and pray are penitent for your default today. Sir, tell me this, I pray. Where have you left the money that I gave you? Oh, uh, six pence that I had a Wednesday last to pay the saddler from a mistress crupper? The, the saddler had it, sir. I kept it not. I am not in a sportive humor now. Tell me. And dally not, where is the money? We being strangers here, how darest thou trust so great a charge from thine own custody? I pray you, sir, as you sit at dinner, I for my mistress come to you in post. If I return, I shall be post indeed, for she will score your fault upon my pate. Methinks your ma, like mine, should be your clock and strike you home without a messenger. <laughs> come, Romeo, come, these jests are out of season. Reserve them till a merrier hour than this. Where is the gold I gave in charge to thee? To me, sir? Why, you gave no gold to me. Come on, sir knave, have done your foolishness, and tell me how thou hast disposed thy charge. My charge was but to fetch you from the mart. Home to your house, the phoenix, sir, to dinner. My mistress and her sister stay for you. In what safe place you have bestowed my money, or I shall break that merry sconce of yours that stands on tricks when I am undisposed. Where is the thousand marks thou hadst of me? I have some marks of yours upon my pate, some of my mistress's marks upon my shoulders, but not a thousand marks between you both. If I should pay your worship those again, Perhaps, perchance, you will not bear them patiently. Thy mistress's marks? What mistress, slave, hast thou? Your worship's wife, my mistress at the Phoenix. She that doth fast till you come home to dinner and prays that you will hie you home to dinner. What wilt thou flout me thus unto my face being forbid? There. Take you hat, Sir Knave. What mean you, sir? For God's sake, hold your hands. Nay, and you will not, sir. I'll take my heels. Exit. Upon my life, by some device or other, the villain is o'erwrought of all my money. 
They say this town is full of cousinage as nimble jugglers that deceive the eye, dark working sorcerers that change the mind, soul killing witches that deform the body, disguised cheaters, prating mountebanks, and many such like liberties of sin. If it prove so, I will be gone the sooner. I'll go to the centaur to go seek this slave. I greatly fear for my money is not safe. Exit. Act two, scene one, the house of Antipholus of Ephesus. Enter Adriana and Luciana. Neither my husband nor the slave returned, that in such haste I sent them to seek his master. Sure. Luciana, it's two o'clock. Perhaps a merchant hath invited him, and from the mart he's somewhere gone to dinner. Good sister, let us dine and never fret. A man is master of his liberty. Time is their master, and when they see time, they'll go or come. If so, be patient, sister. <laughs> Why should their liberty than ours be more? Because their business still lies out the door. Look, when I serve him, so he takes it ill. Oh, no, he is bridal of your will. <sighs> There's none but asses will be bridled so. Why, headstrong liberty is lashed with woe. There's nothing situate under heaven's eye, but hath his bound in earth, in sea, in sky, the beasts, the fishes, the winged fowls, are their male subjects and at their controls. Men, more divine, the, the masters of all of these lords of the wide world and watery seas, endued with intelligent sense and souls, and of more preeminence than fish and fowls, are master to their females and their lords. Then let your will attend on their accords. This servitude makes you to keep unwed. Not this, but troubles of the marriage bed. But were you wedded, you would bear some sway. Ere I learn to love, I'll practice to obey. How, if your husband start some other where? Till he come home again, I would forbear. Patience unmoved. No marvel, though she pause. They can be meek that have no other cause. A wretched soul bruised with adversity, we bid be quiet till we hear it cry. But we were burdened with like weight of pain, as much or more than we would ourselves complain. So thou, that hast no unkind mate to grieve thee, with urging helpless patience wouldst relieve me. But if thou live to see like right bereft, this fool begged patience, and thee will be left. Well, I will marry one day, but to try. Here comes your man. Now your husband is nigh. Enter Dromeo of Ephesus too. Say, is your tardy master now at hand? Nay, he's at two hands with me, and that my two ears can witness. Say, did thou speak with him? Knowest thou his mind? Hi, I told me his mind upon mine ear, beshrew his hand, I scarce could understand it. Spake he so deftly, thou could not feel his meaning? Nay, he struck so plainly, I could too well feel his blows, withal so deftly that I could scarce understand them. But say, I prithee, is he coming home? It seems he hath great care to please his wife. Why, Mistress Shore, my master is horn-mad. Horn-mad? Thou villain! Not cuckold-mad, but sure he is stark-mad. When I desired him to come home to dinner, he asked me for a thousand marks in gold. Tis dinner-time, quoth I. My gold, quoth he. 
Your meat doth burn, quoth I. My gold, quoth he. Will you come home, quoth I. My gold, quoth he. Where is the thousand marks I gave thee, villain? The pig, quoth I, is burned. My gold, quoth he. My mistress, sir, quoth I. Hang up thy mistress. I know not thy mistress. Out on thy mistress. Quoth who? Quoth my master. I know, quoth he. No house, no wife, no mistress. So that my errand do unto my tongue, I thank him. I bear home upon my shoulders, for in conclusion, he did beat me there. Go back again, thou slave, and fetch him home. Go back again, and be new beaten home? For God's sake, send some other messenger. Back, slave, or I will break thy pat across. And he will bless that cross with other beating. Between you, I shall have a holy head. Hence, prattling, peasant, fetch thy master home. I so round with you, as you with me, that like a football you do spurn me thus. You spurn me hence, and he will spurn me hither. If I last in this service, you must case me in leather. Exit. Fie, how impatience lureth in your face. His company must do his minions grace, whilst I, at home, starve for a merry look. Hath homely age the alluring beauty took from my poor cheek? Then he hath wasted it. Are my discourses dull, barren my wit? If voluble and sharp discourse be marred, unkindness blunts it more than marbles hard. Do their gay vestments his affections bait? That's not my fault. He's master of my state. What ruins are in me that can be found by him not ruined? Then is he the ground of my defeatures? My decayed fair, a sunny look of his would soon repair, but too unruly, dear. He breaks the pail and feeds from home. Poor, I am but his stale. Self-harming jealousy, fie, beat it hound hence. Unfeeling fools can with such wrongs dispense. I know his eye doth homage elsewhere, or else what lets it but he would be here? Sister, you know he promised me a chain. Would that alone, alone he would detain, so he would keep fair quarter with his bed? I see the jewel best enameled will lose his beauty. Yet often the gold bides still that others touch, and often touching will wear gold. And no man that hath a name by falsehood and corruption doth it shame, since that my beauty cannot please his eye. I'll weep what's left away, and weeping die. How many fond fools serve mad jealousy? Exunt, scene two, a public place, enter Antiphilus of Syracuse. The gold I gave to Dromeo is laid up safe at the centaur, and the heedful slave is wandered forth in care to seek me out by computation and mine host's report. I could not speak with Dromeo since at first I sent him from the mart. See, here he comes. Enter Dromeo of Syracuse too. How now, sir? Is your merry humor altered? As you love stroke, so jest with me again. You know no centaur? You receive no gold? Your mistress sent to have me home to dinner? My house was at the Phoenix? Was thou mad, that thou so madly thou didst answer me? What answer, sir? When spake I such a word? Even now, even here. 
Not half an hour since. I did not see you since you sent me, hence, home to the centaur with the gold you gave me. Villain, thou didst deny the gold's receipt and toldst me of a mistress and a dinner, for which, I hope, thou feltst I was displeased. I am glad to see you in this merry vein. What means this jest? I pray you, master, tell me. Yea, dost thou jeer and flout me in the teeth? Thinkest thou I jest? Hold. Take that! And that! Hold, sir, for God's sake! Now your jest is in earnest. Upon what bargain did you give it me? Cousin, I familiarly sometimes do use you for my fool and chat with you. Your sauciness will jest upon my love and make a common of my serious hours. When the sun shines, let foolish gnats make sport, but creep in crannies when he hides his beams. If you will jest with me, know my aspect, and fashion your demeanor to my looks, or I will beat this method in your sconce. Sconce, call it you. So you would leave battering, I had rather have it ahead. And you see these blows too long? I must get a sconce for my head and ensconce it, too, or else I shall seek my wit in my shoulders. But I pray you, sir, why am I beaten? Dost thou not know? Nothing, sir, but that I am beaten. Shall I tell you why? Aye, sir, and wherefore, for they say every why hath a wherefore. Why, first... For flouting me, and then, wherefore, for urging it the second time to me. Was there ever any man thus beaten out of season, when in the why and the wherefore is neither rhyme nor reason? Well, sir, I thank you. Thank me? For what? Mary, sir, for this is something that you gave me for nothing. I'll make you amends next to give you nothing for something. But say. Is it dinner time? No, sir. I think the meat wants that I have. In good time, sir. What's that? Basting. Well, sir, then twill be dry. If it be, sir, I pray you, eat none of it. Your reason? Lest it make you choleric and purchase me another dry basting. Learn to jest in good time. There's a time for all things. I durst have denied that before you were so choleric. What rule, sir? Mary, sir, by a rule as plain as the plain bald pate of Father Time himself. Let's hear it. There's no time for a man to recover his hair that grows bald by nature. May he not do it by fine and recovery? Yes, to pay a fine for a periwig and recover the lost hair of another man. Why is time such a niggard of hair, being as it is so plentiful in excrement? Because it is a blessing that he bestows on beasts, and what he hath scanted men in hair, he hath given them in wit. Why, but there's many a man hath more hair than wit. Not a man of those, but he hath the wit to lose his hair. What? Thou didst conclude hairy men plain dealers without wit. 
the player dealer, the sooner lost. Yet he loseth it in a kind of jollity. For what reason? For two. And sound ones, too. Nay, not sound, I pray you. Sure ones, then. Nay, not sure. Anything faulting. Certain ones, then. Name them. The one, to save money that he spends in trimming. The other, that at dinner, they should not drop in his porridge. You would all this time have proved there is no time for all things. Mary, and did, sir, namely, no time to recover hair lost by nature. But your reason was not substantial, why there is no time to recover. Thus I mend it. Time himself is bald, and therefore to the world's end will have bald followers. I knew it would be a bad conclusion. But soft, who wafts us yonder? Enter Adriana and Luciana. Hi! Hi, Antiphilus! Look strange and frown! Some other mistress hath thy sweet aspects. I am not Adriana, nor thy wife. The time was once when thou unurged would vow that never words were music to thine ear, that never object pleasing in thine eye, that never touch well welcomed to thy hand, that never meat sweet savored in thy taste, unless I spake, looked, or touched, or carved to thee. How comes it now, my husband? Oh, how comes it? That thou art thus so estranged from myself. My, thyself, I call it, being strange to me, that undividable and corporate, am I not? Was I muted that whole time? Did I lose you guys? No, 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 no. no. Cool, so I just stopped for nothing. Awesome. Great. <laughs> Feels good. Feels good. Let me just pick up the scene. Yeah, that was... Okay. Okay. Uh, How thou art thus estranged from thyself. Thyself. I call it being strange to me that undividable, incorporate, and better than thy dear self's better part. Ah, do not tear thyself away from me. For no, my love, as easiest mayest thou fall, a drop of water in the breaking gulf, and take unmingled that same drop again without addition or diminishing as take from me thyself and not me too how dearly would it touch me how dearly would it touch me to the quick shouldst thou but hear i were licentious and that this body consecrate to thee by ruffian lust should be contaminate wouldst thou not spit at me and spurn at me and hurl the name of Husband in my face, and tear the stained skin off my harlot brow, and from my false hand, cut the wedding ring, and break with it thy deep divorcing vow. I know thou canst, and therefore see thou do it. I am possessed with an adulterate blot. My blood is mingled with the crime of lust. For if we two be one, and thou play false, I do digest the poison of thy flesh, being strumpeted by thy contagion. Keep then far league and truce with thy true bed. I live unstained and thou undishonored. Lead you to me, fair dame. I know you not. <laughs> In Ephesus, I am but 
two hours old, as strange unto your town as to your talk, who every word by all my wit being scanned want wit in all one word to understand. Fie, brother, how the world is changed with you. When were you wont to use my sister such? She sent you... She sent for you by Dromeo home to dinner. By Dromeo. By me. By thee. And this thou didst return from him that he did buffet thee and, in his blood, denied my house for his, me for his wife. Do you converse, sir, with this gentlewoman? What is the course and drift of your compact? I, sir, I never saw her till this time. Villain? Thou liest, for even in her very words did thou deliver me unto the mart. I never spake with her in all my life. <laughs> How can she thus then call us by our names, unless it be by inspiration? How ill agrees it with your gravity to counterfeit thus grossly with your slave, abetting him to thwart me in my mood? Be it my wrong, you are from me exempt, but wrong, not that wrong, with more contempt. Come, I will fasten thee on this sleeve of thine. Thou art an elm, my husband, and I of thine, whose weakness, married to thy stronger state, makes me with thy strength to communicate. If aught possess thee from me, it is dross, usurping ivy, briar, or idle moss, who... All for want of pruning with intrusion, infect thy sap and live on thy confusion. To me she speaks. She moves me for her theme. What, was I married to her in my dream? Or sleep I now and think I hear all this? What error drives our eyes and ears amiss? Until I know this sure uncertainty, I'll entertain the offered fallacy. Romeo, go bid the servants spread for dinner. Oh, for my beads, I cross me for a sinner. This is the fairyland. Oh, spite of spites, we talk with goblins, owls, and sprites. If we obey them not, this will ensue. They'll suck our breath or pinch us black and blue. Why pratest thou to thyself and answer not? Dromeo, thou drone, thou snail, thou slug, thou sought. I am transformed, master, am I not? I think thou art in mind, and so am I. Nay, master, both in my mind and in my shape. Thou hast thine own form. No, (laughs) I am an ape. If thou art changed to aught, tis to an ass. Tis true, she rides me, and I long for grass. Tis so, I am an ass, else it could never be. But I should know her as well. She knows me. Come, come, no longer will I be a fool to put the finger in the eye and weep whilst man and master laugh my woes to scorn. Come, sir, to dinner. Dromeo, keep the gate. Husband, I'll dine above with you today and shrive you of a thousand idle pranks. Sarah, if any you ask for your master, say he dines forth and let no creature enter. Come, sister, Dromeo, play the porter well. Am I in earth, in heaven, or in hell? (laughs) 
sleeping or waking? Bad or well advised? Known unto these and to myself, disguise. I'll say as they say and persevere so. And in this mist, at all adventures go. Master, shall I be porter at the gate? Aye, and let none enter, lest I break your pate. Come, come, Ant- Antipolis, we dine too late. Exit. Act 3, Scene 1. Before the house of Antipholus of Ephesus. Enter Antipholus of Ephesus, Dromeo of Ephesus 3, Angelo and Balthazar. Good Signor Angelo, you must excuse us all. My wife is shrewish when I keep not ours. Say that I lingered with you at your shop to see the making of her carcanet, and that tomorrow you will bring it home. But here's a villain that would face me down. He met me in the, in the mart, and that I beat him and charged him with a thousand marks in gold, and that I did deny my wife and my house. Thou drunkard thou. What dost thou mean by this? Say what you will, sir, but I know what I know. That you beat me at the mart, I have your hand to show. If the skin were parchment and the blows were you gave were ink, your own handwriting would tell what you think. I think thou art an ass. Mary, so it doth appear by the wrongs I suffer and the blows I bear. I should kick being kicked, and being at that pass, you would keep me from my heels and beware of an ass. You're sad, Signor Balthazar. Pray God our cheer may answer my good will and your good welcome here. I hold your dainties cheap, sir, and you're welcome, dear. Oh, Signor Balthazar, either at flesh or fish, a table full of welcome may scarce, scarce one dainty dish. Good meat, sir, is common that every churl affords. And welcome more common, but that's nothing but words. The small cheer and great welcome makes a merry feast. I, a niggardly host and some sparing guest, but though my cates be mean, take them in good part. Better cheer may you have, but not with better heart. But soft, my door's locked. Go bid them, let, let us in. Maud, Bridget, Marion, Cecil, Cillian, Gin. Moan, Malthorse, Capon, Coxcomb, Idiot, Patch. Either get thee from the door or sit down at the hatch. Dost thou conjure for wenches that thou callst for such store? When one is too many, go, get thee from the door. What patch is made of our porter? My master stays in the street. Let him walk from whence he came, lest he catch cold on his feet. Who talks within there? Ho, open the door. Right, sir. I'll tell you when, and you tell me wherefore. Wherefore? For my dinner. I have not dined today. Nor today here must you not. Come again when you may. Art, thou dost keep, keepest me for out from my house I owe. The porter for this time, sir, and my name is Dromeo. Oh, villain, thou hast stolen both mine office and my name. The one ne'er got me credit, the other mickle blame. If thou hadst been Dromeo today in my place, thou wouldst have changed thy face for a name or thy name for an ass. What a coil is there, Dromeo? Who are these at the gate? Let my master in, loose. Faith, no, he comes too late, and so tell your master. Oh, Lord, I must laugh. Have at you with a proverb. Shall I set it in my staff? Have at you with another that's... When, can you tell? 
if thy name be called Loose, Loose, thou hast answered him well. Do you hear, you minion? You'll let us in, I hope. I thought to have asked you. And you said no. So, come help. Well struck. There was blow for blow. Oh, baggage, let me in. Can you tell for whose sake? Master, knock the door hand. Let him knock till it ache. You'll cry for this, minion, if I beat the door down. What needs all that? And a pair of stocks in the town? Who's who's that at the door that keeps all this noise? By my troth, your town is troubled with unruly boys. Are you there, wife? You might have come before. Your wife, Sir Knave? Go get you from the door. If you went in pain, master, this knave would go sore. Here is neither cheer, sir, nor welcome. We would fain have either. In debating which was best, we shall part with neither. They stand at the door, master. Bid them welcome hither. There is something in the wind that we cannot get in. You would say so, master, if your garments were thin. Your cake there is warm within. You stand here in the cold. It would make a man mad as a buck to be so bought and sold. Go, fetch me something. I'll break open the gate. Break any breaking here and I'll break your knave's pate. A man may break a word with you, sir, and words are but wind. Ay, and break it in your face, so he break it not behind. It seems thou wants breaking out upon thee, hind. Here's too much out upon thee. I pray thee, let me in. Ay, when fowls have no feathers and fish have no fin. Well, I'll break in. Go borrow me a crow. A crow without feather? Master, mean you so? For a fish without a fin, there's a fowl without a feather. If a crow help us in, Sarav, we'll pluck a crow together. Go get thee gone. Fetch me an iron crow. Have patience, sir. Oh, let it not be so. Herein you war against your reputation and draw within the compass of suspect the, the unviolated honor of your wife. Once this, your long experience of her wisdom, her sober virtue, years and modesty, plead on her part some cause to you unknown. And doubt not, sir, for she will excuse why at this time the doors are made against you. Be ruled by me. Depart in patience and let us to the tiger all to dinner, and about evening come yourself alone to know the reason of this strange restraint. If by strong hand you offer to break in now in the stirring passage of the day, a vulgar comment will be made of it. And that supposed by the common rout against your yet ungalled estimation that may with foul intrusion enter in and dwell upon your grave when you are dead, for slander lives upon secession, forever housed where it gets possession. You have prevailed. I will depart in quiet, and in despite of mirth, mean to be merry, I know a wench of excellent discourse, pretty and witty, wild and yet too gentle. There we will dine, this woman that I mean. My wife, but I protest without dessert, hath oftentimes upbraided me withal. To her will we to dinner. Get you home and fetch the chain. By this I know tis made. Bring it, I pray you, to the porpentine. For there's the house. That chain will I bestow. Be it for nothing but to spite my wife.
Am I okay? Am I frozen? Um, you just, you froze up a little bit. So take it from just spite my wife. Mm-mm. There we are. <laughs> uh, be it for nothing but to spite my wife upon mine, o- mine hostess there. Good sir, make haste. Since mine own doors refuse to entertain me, I'll knock elsewhere to see if they'll disdain me. I'll meet you at that place some hour hence. Do so. This jest shall cost me some expense. Exit. Scene two, the same. Enter Luciana and Antiphilus of Syracuse. And may it be that you have quite forgot a husband's office? Shall Antiphilus, even in the spring of love, thy love springs rot? Shall love in building grow so ruinous? If you did wed my sister for her wealth, then for her wealth's sake use her with more kindness. Or if you, like elsewhere, do it by stealth. Muffle your false love with some show of blindness. Let not, oh God, let not my sister read it in your eye. Be not thy tongue thy own shame's order. Look sweet, be fair, become disloyalty. Apparel vice like virtue's harbinger. Bring a fair presence, though your heart be tainted. Teach sin the carriage of a holy saint. Be secret false. What need she be acquainted? What simple thief brags of his own attempt? Tis double wrong to truant your bed and let her read it in thine looks at broad shame. Hath the bastard fame well managed. Ill deeds are doubled with an evil word. Alas, poor women, make us but believe, being compact of credit, that you love us, though others have the arm. Show us the sleeve. Well, in your motion term, and you may move us. Then, gentle brother, get you in again. Comfort my sister, cheer her, call her wife. Tis holy sport to be a little vain when the sweet breath of flattery conquers strife. Sweet mistress, what your name is else I know not, nor by what wonder you to hit of mine, less in your knowledge and your grace you show not than our earth's wonder more than earth divine. Teach me, dear creature, how to think and speak. Lay open to my earthly gross conceit, smothered in errors, feeble, shallow, weak, the folded meaning of your words' deceit. Against my soul's pure truth, why labor you to make it wander in an unknown field? Are you a god? Would you create me new? Transform me then. And to your power I'll yield. But if that I am, then well I know your weeping sister is no wife of mine. Nor to her bed no homage do I owe far more, far more to you do I decline. Oh, train me not, sweet mermaid, with thy note to drown me in thy sister's flood of tears. Sing, siren, for thyself, and I will dote. Spread o'er the silver waves thy golden hairs, and as a bed I'll take them, and there lie. And in that glorious supposition think he gains by death that hath such means to die. Let love, being light, be drowned if she sink. What? Are you mad that you do reason so? Not mad, but mated. 
how I do know. It is a fault that springeth from your eye. For gazing on your beams, fair sun, being by. Gaze where you should, and that will clear your sight. As good to wink, sweet love, as look on night. Why do you call me love? Call my sister so. My sister's sister. That's my sister. No. It is thyself, mine own self's better part, mine eyes clear eye, my dear heart's dearer heart, my food, my fortune, and my sweet hope's aim, my soul earth's heaven, and my heaven's claim. All this my sister is, or else she should be. All thyself, sister sweet, for I am thee, thee will I love, and with thee... Lead my life. Thou hast no husband yet, nor I no wife. Give me thy hand. Oh, soft air, hold you still. I'll fetch my sister to get her goodwill. Exit. Enter Dromeo of Syracuse 4. Why? How now? Dromeo? What is now so fast? <laughs> Did you know me? Am I? Dromeo, am I a fan? Am I myself? Thou art Dromeo, thou art my man, thou art thyself. I am an ass. <laughs> I am a woman's man, and besides myself. You're a woman's man, and how beside thyself? Besides thyself. Mary, sir, besides myself, I am due to a woman. One that claims me, one that haunts me, one that will have me. What claim lays she to thee? Mary, sir, such claim as you would lay to your horse. And she would have me as a beast, and not that I, being a beast, she would have me, but that she, being a very beastly creature, lays claim to me. What is she? Very reverent body. I, such a one as a man may not speak without he say, oh, sir, reverence. I have but lean luck in the match, and yet she is it yet is she a wondrous fat marriage. How dost thou mean a fat marriage? Mary, sir, she's the kitchen wench, and all grease. And I know not what use to put to her but to make a lamp of her and to run from her from run her by her own light. <laughs> I warrant her rags and the tallow in them will burn a pole in winter. If she lives till doomsday, she'll burn a week longer than the whole world. What complexion is she of? Fort, like my shoe. But her face, nothing half so clean kept. For, why, she sweats. A man may go over shoes in the grime of it. That's a fault that water will mend. No, sir, tis ingrained. Noah's flood could not do it. What's her name? Nell, sir. But her name and three quarters, that's an L and three quarters, will not measure her from hip to hip. Then she bears some breadth. No longer from head to foot than hip to hip. She is spherical, like a globe. I could find out countries in her. In what part of her body stands Ireland? Oh, Mary, in her buttocks. I found it out by the bogs. Scotland. 
I found it by the Baroness. Hard in the palm of hand. Hmm, we're friends. In her forehead, armed and reverted, making war against her heir. Where England? I looked for the chalky cliffs, but I could find no whiteness in them. But I guess it stood in her chin by the salt room that ran between France and it. Ha! Where's Spain? Faith, I saw it not. I felt it in her hot breath. <laughs> Where America? The, the Indies. Oh, sir, upon her nose, all or embellished with of rubies, carbuncles, sapphires, declining their rich aspect to the hot breath of Spain, who sent whole armados of carracks to the ballast of her nose. Where stood Belgia, the Netherlands? Oh, sir, I did not look so low. To conclude, <laughs> this drudge or diviner laid claim to me, called me Dromeo, swore I was assured to her, told me what privy marks I had about me as the mark of my shoulder, the mole of my neck, the great wart on my left arm, that I am amazed ran, that I amazed ran from her as a witch. And I think, if my breast had not been made of faith, been made of faith, and my heart of steel, she had transformed me into, into a curtle dog and made me turn in the wheel. Go hide thee presently, post to the road, and if the wind blows any way from shore, I will not harbor in this town tonight. If any bark put forth, come to the mart where I will walk till thou return to me. If everyone knows us and we know no one. Tis time, I think, to trudge, pack, and be gone. As from a bear a man would run for life, so fly I from her that would be my wife. Exit. There's none but witches do inhabit here, and therefore tis high time I were hence. She that doth call me husband, even my soul doth for a wife abhor. But her fair sister, possessed with such a gentle sovereign grace, of such enchanting presence and discourse, hath almost made me traitor to myself. But, lest myself be guilty of self-wrong, I'll stop mine ears against the mermaid's song. Enter Angelo with the chain. Master Antipholus. Aye, that's my name. I know it well, sir. Lo, here is the chain. I thought to obtain you at the port, port, porpentine. The chain unfinished made me stay thus long. What is your will that I shall do with this? Uh, what please yourself, sir, I have made it for you. Made it for me, sir! <laughs> I bespoke it not. Not once nor twice, but twenty times you have. Go home with it and please your wife withal, and... Soon at supper time I'll visit you and then receive my money for the chain. I pray you, sir, receive the money now, for fear you never see the chain nor money more. <laughs> you are a merry man, sir. Fare you well. Uh, what should I think of this? I cannot tell. But this, I think, there's no man is so vain that would refuse so fair an offered chain. I see a man here needs not live by shifts when in the streets he meets such golden gifts. 
I'll to the mart, and there's for Dromeo stay. If any ship put out, then straight away. Exit. Act four, scene one, a public place. Enter second merchant, Angelo, and an officer. You know, since Pentecost, the sum is due, and since I have not much importuned you, nor now I had not, but that I am bound to Persia and want gilders for my voyage, therefore make present satisfaction, or I'll attach you to by this officer. Even just the sum that I do owe to you is growing to me by Antiphilus. And in the instant that I met with you, he had of me a chain at five o'clock. I shall receive the money for the same. Pleaseth, you walk with me down to his house. I will discharge my bond and thank you too. Enter Antiphilus of Ephesus and Dromeo of Ephesus 4 from the courtesan's house. Officer? That labor may you save. See where he comes. <laughs> While I go to the goldsmith's house, go thou and buy a rope's end. That will I bestow among my wife and her confederates for locking me out of my doors by day. But soft, I see the goldsmith. Get thee gone, buy thou a rope and bring it home to me. I buy a thousand pound a year, I buy a rope. Exit. A man is well hopped up that trusts to you. I promised your presence and the chain, but neither chain nor goldsmith came to me. Be like you thought your love would last too long if it were chained together and therefore came not. Saving your merry humor, here's the note, how much your chain weighs to the utmost carat, the finesse of the gold and chargeful fashion, which doth amount to three odd ducats more. Then I stand debted to this gentleman. I, I pray you see him presently discharged, for he is bound to see and stays but for it. I am not furnished with the present money. Besides, I have some business in the town. Good senior, take the stranger to my house, and with you take the chain, and bid my wife disperse the sum on the receipt thereof. Perchance I will be there as soon as you. Then you will bring the chain to her yourself. No, bear it with you, lest I come not in time enough. Well, sir, I will. Have you the chain about you? And if I have not, so I hope you have, or else you may return without your money. <laughs> Nay, come, I pray you, sir, give me the chain. Both wind and tide stays for this gentleman, and I, to blame, have held him here long enough. Good Lord, use this diligence to excuse your breach of promise to the porpentine. I should have chide you for not bringing it. But, like a shrew, you first begin to brawl. The hour steals on, I pray you, sir, dispatch. You hear how he importunes me. The chain. Why, give it to my wife and fetch your money. Come, come, you know I gave it to you even now. Either send the chain or send me by some token. Fine, now you run this humor out of breath. Where's the chain? I pray you, let me see it. My business cannot brook this dalliance, good sir. Say whether you'll answer me or no. If not, I'll leave him to the officer. And answer you, what should I answer you? The money that you owe me for the chain. I owe you none till I receive the chain. You know I gave it to you half an hour since. You gave me none. You wrong me much to say so. 
You wrong me more, sir, in denying it. Consider how it stands upon my credit. Well, officer, arrest him at my suit. Mo, you know you're the officer, right? Oh, you, you can't hear me. Sorry. I had my... <laughs> you couldn't hear me. No. Uh, and I did miss the first line for sure. I do, and charge you in the Duke's name to obey me. This touches me in reputation. Either consent to pay this sum for me, or I attach you by this officer. Consent to pay thee that I never had? Arrest me, foolish fellow, if thou darest. Here is thy fee. Arrest him, officer. I would not spare my brother in this case, if he should scorn me so apparently. I do arrest you, sir. You hear the suit. I do obey thee till I give thee bail. But, Sarah, you shall buy this spork be as dear as all the metal in your shop will answer. Sir, sir, I will have law in Ephesus. Ephesus? Law in Ephesus. 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 Law in Ephesus. <laughs> to your notorious shame, I doubt it not. Enter Dromeo of Syracuse, five from the bay. Oh, oh, Dromeo of Syracuse, five from the bay. Sorry, I can't read. <laughs> Master, there's a bark of Epidamian that stays but till her owner comes aboard, and then, sir, she bears away. Our fottage, sir, I have conveyed aboard, and I have brought the oil and the balsam and the aqua vitae. The ship is in her trim, and the merry wind blows fair from land. They stay for naught at all but their master, or their owner, master, and yourself. How now? A madman. Why, you peevish sheep. What ship in Epidamian stays for me? The ship you sent me to, to hire waftage. Thou drunken slave, I sent thee for a rope, and thou told thee what to what purpose and what end. You sent me for a rope's for a rope's end as soon. You sent me to the base, sir, for her bark. I will debate this matter at more leisure, and teach your ears to list me with your with more heed. To Adriana villain, hie thee straight, give her this key, and tell her in the desk that's covered over with Turkish tapestry there is a purse of ducats. Let her send it. Tell her I am arrested in the street, and that shall bail me. Hi thee, slave, be gone. An officer, to prison till I till it come. Exempt. On officer, to prison I will come. Exent second merchant Angelo officer oh, into Ephesus. To Adriana, that's where we dined, where Dousabel did claim me for her husband. She is too big. I hope, for me to compass. Thither I must, though against my will, for servants must their masters, minds fulfill. Exit. Scene two, the house of Antiphilus of Ephesus, under Adriana and Luciana. <sighs> Luciana, did he tempt thee so? Mightst thou perceive austerely in his eye that he did plead in earnest? Yea, or no... Looked he red or pale, or sad, or merrily? What observation madest thou in this case of his heart's meteors tilting in his face? First he denied you had in him no right. He meant he did me none, that's more my spite. Then swore he that he was a stranger here. And true he swore, though yet forswore he were. Then pleaded I for you. And what said he? That love I begged for you, he begged for me. With what persuasion did he tempt thy love? With words that in an honest suit might move. First he did praise my beauty, then my speech. Did thou speak him fair? 
Have patience, I beseech. I cannot, nor will I not. Hold me still, my tongue, though not my heart, shall have his will. He is deformed, crooked, old, and seer, ill-faced, worst-bodied, shapeless everywhere, vicious, ungentle, foolish, blunt, unkind, stigmatical in making, worse in mind. Who would be jealous, then, of such a one? No evil lost is wailed when it's gone. Aye, but I think it him better than I say, and yet would hear in others what eyes were worse. Far from her nest the lapling, lapwing cries away. My heart prays for him, though my tongue do curse. Enter Dromeo of Syracuse 5. Here, go, the desk, the purse, sweet, now make haste. How hast thou lost thy breath? Running fast. Where's thy master, Dromeo? Is he well? <laughs> no, he's in tartar limbo, worse than hell, and double in an everlasting garment, have him. One whose hard heart is buttoned up with steel, a fiend of fury, pitiless and rough, and wolf, nay, worse, fellow all in buff. Oh, black fear end, a shoulder clapper, one that countermands the passages of alleys, creeks, and narrow lamps. Oh, a hound that runs counter and yet draws dry foot well, one that before the judgment carries poor souls to hell. Oh, why, man? What's the matter? I do not know the matter. He is rested on the case. What? Is he arrested? Tell me at whose suit. I know not at whose suit he is arrested. Oh, but he's in a suit of buff which rested him, that I can tell. Will you send him, Mistress Redemption, the money in in his desk? Go fetch it, sister. This I wonder at, that he unknown to me should be in debt. Tell me, was he arrested on a band? Not on a band, but on a stronger thing. A chain, a chain. Do you not hear it ring? What? The chain? No, no, the bell. It's time that I were gone. T'was two ere I left him, and now the clock strikes one. The hours come back that I did never hear. Oh, yes, if any hour meet a surgeon. A turns back, a sergeant, a turns back, very for very fear. As if time were in debt. How fondly dost thou reason? Time is a very bankrupt, and owes more than he is worth to a season. Nay, he's a thief too. Have you not heard men say that time comes stealing on by night and day? If time be in debt and theft, and a sergeant in the way, hath he not reason to turn back an hour in a day? Re-enter Luciana with a purse. Go, Dromeo, there's the money, bear it straight, and bring thy master home immediately. Come, sister, I am pressed down with conceit, conceit, my comfort and my injury. Exit. Scene three, a public place. Enter Antipholus of Syracuse. There's not a man I meet, but doth salute me as if I were their well-acquainted friend, and everyone doth call me by my name. Some tender money to me, some invite me, some other give me thanks for kindnesses, some offer me commodities to buy, and 
even now, a tailor caught me in his shop and showed me silks that he had bought for me and therewithal took measure of my body. Sure, these are but imaginary wiles and Lapland sorcerers inhabit here. Enter Dromeo of Syracuse 6. Master, here's the gold you sent me for. What? Have you got the picture of old Adam new apparelled? What gold is this? What Adam does that mean? Not that Adam that kept the paradise, but that Adam that keeps the prison. He that goes in the calf's skin that was killed for the prodigal. He that came behind you, sir, like an evil angel and bid you forsake your liberty. I understand thee not. No. Why, tis a plain case. He that went, sir, like a base vial in a case of leather. The man, sir, that when gentlemen are tired, gives them a sob and rests them. He, sir, that takes pity on decayed men and gives them suits of durance. He that sets up his rest to do more exploits with his mace than a Morris Pike. What? That means an officer? Aye, sir, the sergeant of the band. He that brings any man to answer it that breaks his band. One that thinks a man always going to bed and says, God give you rest. Well, sir... There is rest in your foolery, is there any? Why, sir, I brought you word an hour since that the bark expedition put forth tonight. And then were you hindered by the sergeant to tarry for the hoy delay? Here are the angels that you sent for to deliver you. The fellow is distracted, and so am I. And here we wander in illusion. Some blessed power deliver us from hence. Enter a courtesan. Well met, well met, Master Antipholus. I see, sir, you have found the goldsmith now. Is that the chain you promised me today? Satan! Avoid! I charge thee, tempt me not! Master, it is this Mistress Satan? It is the devil. Well, nay, she is worse. She's the devil's dam. And here she comes in the habit of a light wench, and thereof comes the wenches that say, God damn me, that's as much to say, God make me a light wench. It is written, they appear to men like angels of light. Light is an effect of fire, and fire will burn. Ergo, ergo light wenches will burn. Come not near her. Your man and you are marvelous merry, sir. Will you go with me? We'll mend our dinner here. Master, if you do, expect spoon meat, or bespeak a long spoon. Why, Romeo? Mary, he must have a long spoon that must eat with the devil. Avoid then, fiend. What tellest thou me of supping? Thou art, as you are all, a sorceress. I conjure thee to leave me and be gone. Give me the ring of mine you had at dinner, or for my diamond, the chain you promised, and I'll be gone, sir, and not trouble you. Some devils ask but the parings of one's nail, a rush, a hair, a drop of blood, a pin, a nut, a cherry stone. But she, more covetous, would have a chain. Master, be wise. And if you give it to her, the devil will shake her chain and fright us with it. I pray you, sir, my ring or else the chain. I hope you do not mean to cheat me so. Want the witch? Come, Dromeo, let us go. Fly pride, says the peacock. Mistress, that you know. 
Exunt Antiphilus of Syracuse and Dromeo of Syracuse. Now, out of doubt, Antiphilus is mad, else he would never demean himself. A ring he hath of mine worth forty ducats, and for the same he promised me a chain. Both one and other he denies me now. The reason that I gather he is mad, besides this present instance of his range, rage, is a mad tale he told today at dinner of his own doors being shut against his entrance. Like his wife, acquainted with his fits, on purpose shut the doors against his way. My way is now to hie home to his house and tell his wife that, being a lunatic, he rushed into my house and took perforce my ring away. This course I fittest choose, for forty ducats is too much to lose. Exit. Scene four, a street, enter Antiphilus of Ephesus and the officer. Fear me not, man, I will not break away. I'll give thee ere I leave thee so much money to warrant thee as I am rested for. My wife is in a wayward moon today and will not lightly trust the messenger that I should be attached in Ephesus. I tell you, it will sound harshly in her ears. Enter Dromeo of Ephesus 4 with a rope's end. Ah, here comes my man. I think he brings the money. How now, sir? Have you that I sent you for? Here's that. I warrant you will pay them all. Where's the money? Why, sir, I gave the money for the rope. Five hundred ducats, villain, for a rope? I'll serve you, sir, five hundred at that rate. (laughs) To what end did I bid thee high the home? To a rope's end, sir, and then to that end I am returned. And to that end, sir, I will welcome you. Good, sir, (laughs) be patient. Nay, tis for me to be patient. I am in adversity. Good, now hold thy tongue. Nay, brother, persuade him to hold his hand. Thou horse and senseless villain. I would I were senseless, sir, that I might not feel your blows. Thou art sensible in nothing but blows, and so is an ass. I am an ass. Indeed, you may prove it by my long ears. I have served him from the hour of my nativity to this instant, and have nothing at his hands for my service that blows. When I am cold, he heats me with beating. When I am warm, he cools me with beating. I am waked with it when I sleep, raised with it when I sit, driven outdoors with it when I go from home, welcomed home with it when I return. Nay, I, I bear it on my shoulders as a beggar want her brat. And I think when he hath lamed me, I shall beg with it from door to door. Come, go along. My wife is coming yonder. Enter Adriana, Luciana, the courtesan, and Pinch. Mistress, or price fine and respect your end, or, or rather, the prophecy like the parrot, beware the rope's end. Wilt thou still talk? Beating him. How say you now? Is not your husband mad? His incivility confirms no less. Good Dr. Pinch, you are a conjurer. Establish him in his true sense again, and I will please you with what you demand. Alas, how fiery and how sharp he looks. Mark how he trembles in his ecstasy. Give me your hand and let me feel your pulse. There is my hand, and let it feel your ear. (laughs) 
<laughs> I charge thee, Satan! House without in this man to yield possession to my holy prayers, and to thy state of darkness, hide thee straight, I conjure thee by all the saints in heaven. Peace, doting wizard, peace, I am not mad. Oh, that thou wert not poor, distressed soul. You minion, you, are these your customers? Did this companion with the saffron face revel and feast it at my house today? Whilst upon me the guilty doors were shut and I dined to enter in my house? Oh, husband, God doth know you dined at home. Where would you have remained until this time? Whilst free from these slanders and this open shame? Dined at home? Thou villain, what sayest thou? Sir, sooth to say you did not dine at home. Were not my doors locked up and I shut out? Thirty, your doors were locked and you shut out. And did not she herself revile me there? Sans fable, she herself reviled you there. Did not her kitchen maid rail, taunt, and scorn me? Search, she did. The kitchen vessel scorned you. And did, I, and did not I, in rage, depart from thence? And verity you did. My bones bear witness that since I felt the vigor of his rage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it good to soothe him in these countries? It is no shame. The fellow finds his vein and yielding to him humors well his frenzy. Thou hast stubborn the goldsmith to arrest me. Alas, I sent money to redeem you by Dromeo here who came in haste for it. Money by me? A heart and goodwill you might be surely, master, not a rake of money. Went not thou to her for a purse of ducats? He came to me, and I delivered it. And I am witness with her that she did. God and the rope maker bear me witness that I was sent for nothing but a rope. Mistress, both man and master is possessed. I know it by their pale and deadly looks. They must be bound and laid in some dark room. Say, wherefore didst thou lock me forth today? And why dost thou deny the bag of gold? I did not. Oh, gentle husband, lock the door forth. And gentle master, I received no gold. But I confess, sir, that we were locked out. Dissembling villain, thou speakst false in both. Dissembling harlot, thou art false in oh. all. And are confederate with a damned pack to make a loathsome, loathsome, abject scorn of me. But with these nails, I'll pluck out these false eyes that would behold in me this shameful sport. Enter three or f- three or four and offer to bind him. He strives. Oh, bind him, bind him. Let him not come near me. More company, the fiend is strong with him. Ay, me, poor man, how pale and wan he looks. What, will thou murder me? Thou jailer thou, I am thy prisoner. Will not suffer them to make a rescue? Masters, let him go. He is my prisoner and you shall not have him. Oh, bind this man, too, for he is frantic, too. They offer to bind Dromeo of Ephesus. What wilt thou do, thou peevish officer? Hast thou 
delight to see a wretched man do outrage and displeasure to himself? No. He is my prisoner. If I let him go, the debt he owes will be required of me. I will discharge the air I go from thee. Bear me forthwith unto his creditor, and knowing how the debt grows, I will pay it. Good master doctor, see him safe, conveyed home to my house. Oh, how unhappy day. Almost unhappy strumpet. Ah, sir, I am here entered in bond for you. I run thee, villain. Wherefore dost thou mad me? Will you be bound for nothing? Be mad, good master. Cry the, the devil. God help poor swords, souls. How idly do they talk. Go bear him hence. Sister, go you with me. Exempt Alpa Adriana Luciana, officer and courtesan. Adriana, you have another line. Oh, that's me. I'm sorry. Say now, whose suit is he arrested at? One Angelo, a goldsmith. Do you know him? I know the man. What is the sum he owes? Two hundred ducats. Say, how grows it due? Due for a chain your husband had of him. He did bespeak a chain for me, but had it not. When your husband... When, as your husband, all in rage today, came to my house and took away my ring, the ring I saw upon his finger now, straight after did I meet him with the chain. Uh, it may be so, but I never did see it. Come, jailer, bring me where the goldsmith is. I long to know the truth here of at large. Enter Antipholus of Syracuse with his rapier drawn and Dromeo of Syracuse one. God, for thy mercy, they're loose again. And come with naked swords. Let's call for more help and have them bound again. Away. They'll kill us. Exempt all but Antipholus of Syracuse and Dromeo of Syracuse. <laughs> I see these witches are afraid of swords. She that would be your wife now ran from you. Come to the centaur. Fetch our stuff from thence. I long that we were safe and sound aboard. They stay here this night. They will surely do us no harm. You saw they spake us fear. Give us gold. Methinks they are such a gentle nation, but for the mountains of mad flesh that claims marriage of me, I could find in my heart to stay here and still turn witch. I will not stay tonight for all the town. Therefore, away to get our stuff aboard. Exent. Act 5, Scene 1, A Street Before a Priory. Enter Second Merchant and Angelo. I am sorry, sir, that I have hindered you, but I protest he had the chain of me. Though most... Sorry, one second. Dis- yeah. Though How most dishonestly the- he doth deny it. How is the man esteemed here in the city? Of very reverend reputation, sir, of credit infinite, highly beloved, second to none that lives here in the city. His word might bear my wealth at any time. Speak softly, yonder as I think he walks. Enter Antipholus of Syracuse and Dromeo of Syracuse, one. Tis so, and that self-chain about his neck, which he forswore most monstrously to have. Good sir, draw near me, I'll speak to him. Signor Antipholus? 
I wonder much that you would put me to this shame and trouble, and not without some scandal to yourself, with with circumstances and oaths so to deny this chain which now you wear so openly. Besides the charge, the shame, imprisonment, you have done wrong to this, my honest friend, who but for staying on our controversy had hoisted sail and put to sea today. This chain you had of me, can you deny it? Can you? Anne? Can you? I win. I win. Frozen, no! <laughs> what a face to freeze on. Oh, that is spectacular. <laughs> Shall we continue without her? <laughs> no, it's her birthday. I know, I know, I know. Oh, Anne, come back. Baby, come back. Oh, is she, is she fully oh, gone now? You, maybe she just she disconnected. disconnected. Oh, no. Um. Oh, no, I saw her. Oh, she's, she's back. Right she's yeah. back. She's muted. I, I don't even have it. Where are we? <laughs> Yay. Can I your last couple lines? Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> Who but for staying on our controversy had hoisted sail and put to sea today? This chain you had of me, can you deny it? <laughs> Did she free <laughs> <laughs> Oh, she's here. I deny it! <laughs> yes, that you did, sir, and forswore it too. <laughs> me to deny it or forswear it. These ears of mine, thou knowest, did hear thee. Fie on thee, wretch! Tis pity that thou livest to walk where any honest man resort. Thou art a villain to impeach me thus. I'll prove mine honor and mine honesty against thee presently, if thou darest stand. I dare, and do defy thee for a villain! They draw. Enter Adriana, Luciana, the courtesan, and others. Hold! Hurt him not for God's sake! He's mad! Some, get within him. Take his sword away. Bind Dromeo too and bear them to my house. Run, master. Run, for God's sakes. Take a house. This is some priority. In or we are spoiled. Exent Antiphilus of Syracuse and Dromeo of Syracuse to the priory. Enter the Lady Abbess Amelia. Be quiet, people. Wherefore throng you hither? To fetch my poor distracted husband hence. Let us come in that we may bind him fast and bear him home for his recovery. I knew he was not in his perfect wits. (laughs) I am sorry now that I did draw on him. (laughs) How long hath this possession held the man? This week he hath been heavy, sour, sad. As much different from the man he was... Till this afternoon is passion, ne'er break into extremity of rage. Hath he not lost much wealth by wreck of sea? Buried some dear friend? Hath not else his eye strayed his affection in unlawful love? A sin prevailing much in youthful men, who give their eyes the liberty of gazing. Which of these sorrows is he subject to? To none of these except it be the last, namely, some love that drew him off from home. You should for that have reprehended him. Why, so I did. Aye, but not rough enough. 
as roughly as my modesty would let me. Happily in private. And in assemblies, too. Aye, but not enough. It was the copy of our conference. In bed he slept not for my urging it. At board he fed not for my urging it. Alone, it was the subject of my theme. In company, I often glanced it. Still did I tell him it was vile and bad. And thereof came it that the man was mad. The venom clamors of a jealous woman poisons more <laughs> deadly than a mad dog's tooth. It seems his sleeps were hindered by thy railing, and therefore comes it that his head is light. Thou sayest his meat was sauced with thy upbraidings. Unquiet meals make ill digestions. Thereof the raging fire of fever bred, and what's a fever but a fit of madness? Thou sayest his sports were hindered by thy brawls, sweet recreation barred. What doth ensue but moody and dull melancholy, kinsmen to grim and comfortless despair, and at her heels a huge infectious troop of pale distemperatures and foes to life, in food, in sport, and life-preserving rest to be disturbed would mad, would mad or man or beast. The consequences then thy jealous fits have scared thy husband from the use of wits. She never rep- reprehended him but mildly, when he demeaned himself r- rough, rude, and wildly. Why bear you these rebukes and answer not? She did betray me to mine own reproof. Good people enter and lay hold on him. No, not a creature enters in my house. Then let your servants bring my husband forth. Neither. He took this place for sanctuary, and it shall privilege him from your hands till I have brought him to his wits again or lose my labor in assaying it. I will attend my husband. Be his nurse. Diet his sickness, for it is my office, and will have no attorney but myself, and therefore let me have him home with me. Be patient, for I will not let him stir till I have used the approved means I have with wholesome syrups, drugs, and holy prayers to make him a formal man again. It is a branch and parcel of my oath, a charitable duty of my order. Therefore, depart and leave him here with me. I will not hence and leave my husband here, and ill it doth beseem your holiness to separate the husband and the wife. Be quiet and depart. Thou shalt not have him. Exit. Complain unto the duke of this indignity. Come. Go, I will fall prostrate at his feet, and never rise until my tears and prayers have won his grace to come in person hither, and take performance my husband from the abbess. By this, I think the dial pointed five. Anon, I'm sure the duke himself in person comes this way to the melancholy vale, the place of death and sorry execution behind the ditches of the abbey here. Upon what cause? To see a reverend Syracusian merchant who put unluckily in, into this bay against the laws and statues, statutes of this town beheaded publicly for his offense. See where they come. We will behold his death. Mm. Kneel to the duke before he passed the abbey. Enter Duke Salinas attended, Aegean bareheaded, with the headsman and other officers. Jamie, are you here? Mm, does anybody see Jamie? Is Jamie still here? Oh, oh no, there he is. He might be muted. <laughs> There we go. Ah. Yet once again, proclaim it publicly. If any friend will pay the sum for him, he shall not die. We much, we tender him. Justice, 
most sacred duke against the abbess. She is a virtuous and a reverend lady. It cannot be that she hath done thee wrong. May it please your grace. Antiphilus, my husband, who I made lord of me and all I had, at your important letters, this ill day a most outrageous fit of madness took him, that desperately he hurried through the street with him his bondman, all as mad as he... doing displeasure to the citizens by rushing in their houses... Bearing vents, rings, jewels, anything as rage did like. Once I did get him bound and send him home, whilst to take order for the wrongs I went, that here and there his fury had committed. Anon I wot not but what strong escape. He broke from those that had guard of him, and with this mad attendant and himself, each one with an ireful passion, with drawn swords, met us again, and madly bent on us, chased us away, till... Raising more aid, we came again to bind them. Then they fled into this abbey, whither we pursued them. And here, the abbess shuts the gates on us and will not suffer us to fetch him out, nor send him forth that we may bear him hence. Therefore, most gracious duke, with thy command, let him be brought forth and born hence for help. Long since thy husband served me in my wars, and I to thee engaged the prince's word, when thou d- didst make him master of thy bed, to do him all the grace and good I could. Go, some of you, knock at the abbey gate, and bid the lady abbess come to me. I will determine this before I stir. Enter a servant. Oh, mistress, mistress, shift and save yourself. My master and his man are both broke loose, beaten the maids a row and bound the doctor whose beard they have singed off with brands of fire. And ever as it blazed, they threw on him great pails of puddled mire to quench the hair. My master preaches patience to him, and the while his man with scissors nicks him like a fool, and sure, unless you send some present help between them, they will kill the conjurer. Peace, fool. Thy master and his man are here, and that is false, thou dost report to us. Mistress, upon my life I tell you true. I have not breathed almost since I did see it. He cries for you and vows if he can take you to scorch your face and to disfigure you. Ah! Hark, hark, I hear him, mistress. Fly! Be gone! Come, stand by me, fear nothing. Guard with halberds. Ay, me, it is my husband. Witness you that he is born about invisible. Even now we housed him in the abbey here, and now he's there, past thought of human reason. Enter Antipholus of of Ephesus and Dromeo of Ephesus 5. Justice, most gracious duke, oh, grant me justice, even for the service that long since I did thee, when I bestroyed thee in the wars and took thee deep scars to save thy life, even for the blood that then I lost for thee. Now grant me justice. Unless the fear of death doth make me goat, I see my son, Antiphilus and Dromeo. Justice, sweet prince, against that woman there, she whom thou gravest, gavest to me to be my wife, that hath abused and dishonored me, even in the strength and height of injury. Beyond imagination is the wrong that she this day hath shameless thrown on me. Discover how. 
and thou shalt find me just. This day, great duke, she shut the doors upon me while she with harlots feasted in my house. A, a grievous fault. Say, woman, didst thou so? No, my good lord, uh, myself, he, and my sister today did dine together. So before my soul, as this is false, he burdens me with all. Ne'er may I look on day nor sleep on night, but he, she tells to your highness simple truth. Oh, perjured woman. They are both forsworn. <laughs> In this, the madman justly charges them. My liege, I am advised what I say, neither disturbed with the effect of wine, nor heady rash, provoked with raging ire, albeit my wrongs might make one wiser mad. This woman locked me out this day from my dinner. That goldsmith there, were he not packed with her, could witness it, for he was with me then, who parted with me to go fetch a chain, promising to bring it to the porpentine, where Balthazar and I did dine together. Our dinner done, and he not coming thither, I went to seek him. In the street I met him and his company, that, that gentleman. There did this perjured goldsmith swear to me down that I this day have received the chain, which, God he knows, I saw not for the which he did arrest me with an officer. I did obey and sent my peasant home for certain ducats. He with none returned. Then fairly I bestowed the officer to go, in the per to go in person with me to my house. By the way, we met my wife, her sister, and a rabble more of vile confederates. Along with them, they brought one pinch, a hungry, lean-faced villain, a mere anatomy, a mountebank, a threadbare juggler, and a fortune teller, a needy, hollow-eyed, sharp-looking wretch, a dead-looking man. This pernicious slave forsooth took on him as a conjurer, and gazing in mine eyes, feeling my pulse, and with no face as for outfacing me, cries out, I was possessed. Then, altogether, they fall upon me. They fell upon me found me, bore me thence, and in a dark and dankish vault at home, there left me and my man, both bound together, till, gnawing with my teeth, my bonds and sonder, I gained my freedom, and immediately ran thither to your grace, whom I beseech to give me ample satisfaction for these deep shames and great indignities. My lord, in truth, thus far I witnessed with him that he dined not at home, but was locked out. But had he such a chain of thee or no? He had, my lord, and when he ran in here, these people saw the chain about his neck. Besides, I will be sworn these ears of mine heard you confess you had the chain of him after you first forswore it on the mart, and thereupon I drew my sword on you, and then you fled into this abbey here, from whence I think you are come by miracle. I never came within these abbey walls, nor ever didst thou draw thy sword on me. I never saw the chain, so help me heaven, and this is false, you burdened me with all. My, what an intricate impeach is this! I think you have all drunk of Circe's cup. If here you housed him, here he would have been. If he were mad, he would not plead so coldly. You say he dined at home. The goldsmith here denies that, saying, Sirrah, what say you? 
Sir, he dined with her there at the Porpentine. He did, and from my fingers snatched that ring. Tis true, my liege, this ring I had of her. Sawst thou him enter at the abbey here? As sure, my liege, as I do steer grace. <laughs> this is strange. Go call the abbess hither. I think you all are all mated or stark mad. Exit one to the abbess. Duke, vouchsafe me. Happily, I stand will save my life and pay the delivery. Speak freely, Syracusian, what thou wilt. Is not your name, sir, called Antithelus? It is not that your bondman, Dromio? <laughs> Is that not your uh, bondman, Dromeo? (laughs) (laughs) Within this hour, it was his bondman, sir. But he, I thank him, nod into my cords. Now am I Dromeo and his man unbound. I am sure you remember me. Ourselves, we do remember, sir, by you. <laughs> For lately we were bound, as you are now. You are not much as patient, are you, sir? Why look you so strange on me? You know me well. <laughs> I never saw you in my life till now. Oh, grief hath changed me since you last saw me. And careful hours with time's deformed hand have written strange defeatures on my face. But tell me yet, dost thou not Neither? Romeo, nor thou? No, trust me, sir, nor I. I am sure thou dost. I, sir, but I am sure I do not. And whatsoever a man denies, you are now bound to believe him. Not know my voice. Oh, times thou so cracked and stung in seven short years. Only son knows not my feeble key of untuned cares. Though now this grained face of mine be hid in sap-consuming winter's drizzled snow, and all the conduits of my blood froze up, yet hath my night of life some memory, my wasting lamps some fading glimmer left, my dull deaf ears a little used to hear. All this I cannot err. Tell me thou art my son, Antiphilus. I never saw my father in my life. But seven years since in Syracuse, a boy. Thou knowest we parted, but perhaps, my son, thou shamest to acknowledge me in misery. The Duke and all know me in the city, can witness with me that it is not so I never saw Syracusia in my life. I tell thee, Syracusian, twenty years have I been patron to Antipolis, during which time he ne'er saw Syracusa. I see thy age, and dangers make thee doubt. Re-enter Amelia with Antiphilus of Syracuse and Dromeo of Syracuse one. Most mighty duke, behold a man much wronged. Uh, I see two husbands, or mine eyes deceive me. One of these men is genius to the other, and so of these. Which is the natural man and which the spirit? Who deciphers them? (laughs) I, sir, am Dromeo. Command him away. I, sir, am Dromeo. Pray, let me stay. Egeon art thou? Or else his ghost? 
Oh, my old master, who hath bound him here? Whoever bound him, I will loose his bonds and gain a husband by his liberty. Speak, old Aegean, if thou beest the man that hadst a wife once called Amelia, that bore thee at a burden two fair sons. Oh, if thou beest the same Aegean, speak, and speak unto the same Amelia. If I dream not, thou art Amelia. If thou art she, tell me, where is that son that floated with thee on that fatal raft? By men of epidemic. Epidamnum, he and I, and the twin Dromeo all were taken up. But by and by, rude fishermen of Corinth by force took Dromeo and my son from them, and me they left with those of Epimadmum. What then became of them, I cannot tell, I to this fortune that you see me. Why, here begins his morning, morning story, right? And these two Antidolphuses, these two so like, and these two Dromeos, one in semblance. Besides her urging of a wreck at sea, these are the parents of these children, which accidentally are met together. Antipolis, thou camest from Corinth first. No, sir, not I. I came from Syracuse. Stay, stand apart. I know not which is which. I came from Corinth, my most gracious lord. And I with him. Brought to this town by that most famous warrior, Duke Menaphon, your most renowned uncle. Which of you two did dine with me today? I, gentle mistress. <laughs> and are you not my husband? No, I say nay to that. <laughs> and so do I. Yet she did call me so. And this fair gentlewoman, her sister here, did call me brother. Luciana. What I told you then, I hope I shall have leisure to make good. If this be not a dream, I see and hear. That is the chain, sir, which you had of me. I think it be, sir. I deny it not. And you, sir, for this chain, arrested me. I think I did, sir. I deny it not. I sent you money, sir, to be your bail. By Dromeo, but I think he brought it not. Uh, no, none by me. This purse of ducats I received from you, and Dromeo, my man, did bring them me. I see we still did meet each other's man, and I was taken for him, he for me, and thereupon these errors arose. (laughs) And these these ducats pawn I for my father here. It shall not need. Thy father hath his life. Sir, I must have that diamond from you. There, take it. Much thanks for my good cheer. Renowned Duke, vouchsafe to take the pains to go with us into the abbey here, and here at large discourse at all our fortunes, and all that are assembled in this place, that by this sympathized one day's error have suffered wrong, go, keep us company, and we shall make full satisfaction. Thirty-three years have I but gone and travel of you, my sons, until this present hour my heavy burden ne'er delivered. The Duke, my husband, and my children both, and you, the calendars of the nativity, go to a gossip's feast and go with me, after so long grief, such festivity. With all my heart, I'll gossip at this feast. Exent all but Antipolis of Syracuse, Antipolis of Ephesus, Dromeo of Syracuse, and Dromeo of Ephesus. Master, shall I fetch your stuff from your shipboard? Romeo, what, what stuff of mine has thou embarked? Your goods that lay at host, sir, in the centaur. 
speaks to me. I am your master, Dromeo. Come, go thus. We'll look to that anon. Embrace thy brother there. Rejoice with him. Exent Antipholus of Syracuse and Antipholus of Ephesus. There is a fat friend at your master's house that kitchened me for you today at dinner. She now shall be my sister, not my wife. Methinks you are my glass and not my brother. I see you. I see by you I am a sweet-faced youth. Will you walk in to see their gossiping? Not I, sir. You are my elder. That's a question. How shall we try it? Um, we will draw cuts for the senior, till then lead thou first. Nay, then thus. We came into the world like brother and brother, and now let's go hand in hand, not one before another. Exit. What is happening? I did always like that last line. Because <laughs> it's the last one. It's good because it's the last one, but also because it's a good line. <laughs> I don't think I ever noticed how one note 